All right, friends, this is episode one of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. You are about to hear from the voices of the most life-changing group of people I've ever encountered. And I've been a pastor for more than 24 years. This group is on a quest, a journey to discover the very character of God. They're a wild group, a very sarcastic group. You're going to hear a lot of laughter because they laugh a lot, but they also learn a lot and they love a lot. This group has changed my life. And we've started this podcast because we're certain that just by hanging out and eavesdropping on this group, your life will be changed too. Your relationship with God will be radically upgraded. Now, this podcast wouldn't even be possible without the generosity of our supporting institution, the Loma Linda University Church, of which I am fortunate to be one of the full-time pastors on staff. Now, I'm not going to invite you to sit back and relax right now. This is not one of those types of programs. Instead, I encourage you to buckle up and hang on because, in a sense, I'm throwing you into the deep end right away in this first episode. We start out with the first session of a series that we called Stranger God, the God of Exodus. And in this series, we ask the question, how did God choose to introduce himself, not only to the Hebrews, but to the Egyptians as well? It had been about 450 years since the Hebrews really had experienced freedom and had experienced religion. All this time, they had lived as slaves under Egypt's thumb. And God comes in and says, I want to reintroduce myself to you, and I want to bring you Exodus. And he introduces himself by making sure we understand a new name. He gives himself a new name, and and this name, as you'll find out in this session, is not only a name, but it's It's a verb, and it's not just a verb, but it's also a measure of time. And the question we have to ask is, what's God trying to tell us? What is he trying to reveal about his character? This is his first impression. And so what first impression is he trying to give to the Hebrews and to the Egyptians to explain who he is? And so I want you to, during this session, to... Listen to the intro. I I speak a little bit longer during this intro than most sessions, just simply because we're starting out a new series, and and I need to open it up to the group. But as you start hearing the the comments and the questions of, of our group, I want you to ask the same question. What does this say to you today? How can you get to know God better today? How can his character come more alive? How can you know God more by knowing his name? Why would God choose to begin by introducing himself as a name? And why as a verb? And why as a measure of time? So, without further ado, make sure your seatbelt is buckled, your tray table is stowed, and your seat is in its full upright position because we're taking off right now. Welcome to the Bible Lab. What is the most beautiful sound in the world. Most beautiful sound in the world? Your name. Carnegie made a, a whole career out of it. His suggestion was that in a conversation, you say someone's name at least three times. And that's how you win friends and influence people. Your name. Now, I don't know what your name sounds like to you. Um, I recall back when I was 
just about to start my senior year of academy. I went to a boarding school, and my senior year, I was essay president. And so I went down two weeks early because we had some meetings. We had to plan out the school year and all the events and activities and what we're going to do as a student association. One week before school started, a group of eight foreign exchange students from Japan came to the boarding school to get ready for their year of education. While they were there, one of the young men, his name was Yazuyuki, and uh, he wanted a new name. He wanted an American name. And so one night in my dorm room with my roommate and about four other guys that, that were there and, and about three of the Japanese foreign exchange students, Yazuyuki said, I want name, I want new name. I want American name. And so we start going through all the cool American names, first of all, that we wanted our parents to call us. <laughs> and then we just started going through all the names we could think of. And every single time we would suggest a name, Yasuyuki would say, what mean, what mean? And so we'd try to you know, go to the Japanese English dictionary and try to find something that was close to what it was. And we'd show him, he'd say, no, 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 no. No like, no like. So it kept going, kept going, about a half an hour. And finally, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of the name game because it's not working. And so finally, I just, I just blurt out a, a name that really was a joke. I just said, Sparky. <laughs> and he says, what mean, what mean? And so I turned in the dictionary to spark. And he looked at it, he goes, oh. I like, I like. And so I was like, are you sure? No, no, no. Let's look for another one. He goes, no, no, no. I like, I like. So the next week when all the regular students came and he starts introducing himself, he introduces himself, I'm Sparky. Everyone at the school knew him as Sparky. That's all anyone ever called him was Sparky. Now, I had named dogs before. <laughs> obviously. And I had a great time with that, but I'd never named a person before. It was the weirdest thing because as people were going around, hey, Sparky, it sounded different to my ears because I knew where it came from. If I were to yell, hey, Yazayuki, everyone would have looked around saying, who in the world are you talking to? It's Sparky over here. But for some reason, these sounds, these syllables that our parents attribute to us at birth have this special meaning and, and almost their own personification. I want to ask you, if some of you are brave enough, and just raise your comment card if you'd like to share, what does your name mean? What does your name mean? Of course, you guys know what my name means. Roy means a king, of course, because that's how you treat me. You've shown me the respect that my name deserves. <laughs> my name means king. Yes, Linda. Does anybody know what Loma Linda means? Hill Beautiful? Yes. So my name means beautiful. Beautiful. There it is. See, your parents were kind. Your parents were kind. All right, we're coming back here. My name is Jordy, and it means dragon slayer. Dragon slayer. You made up that definition, didn't you? No. No? Yeah. Did your parents know what it meant when they named you? Yeah. That is, that is too cool. That is too Dragon slayer. Is it okay if I just call you that instead of Jordy? Dragon Slayer. Yes. Yes, back here. 
Most people know me as Stacy, but my legal name is actually Anastasia, which means resurrection. Ah, cool. Very cool. Anybody else? What's your name mean? Yes, over here. My name is Lorna, but I don't think my parents know the, the meaning when they named me, because when I looked it up, it's forlorn. <laughs> forlorn? <laughs> but I'm a happy person. <laughs> oh, maybe they did look it up. My name is Pamela, and it means all honey. All honey. Ah, oh, that's good. That's good. Yes, sir. I'm Heinz. Ketchup. <laughs> and it means you're slow. <laughs> you're catching on. Ah, uh, it's too funny. All right, coming back to Brit. I don't know the meaning of my name, but a lot of people, when they find out my name, they ask why, and why did your parents name you that, and is it short for Britannia or Brittany or all these other things? So it's like having explained my parents' name to me. Yeah. I don't know why they did, but they did. But other people can't accept that my name is what it is. Like, why do you have a name? And it must mean something. And it must be sh short for something. And it's always, no, it's just B-R-I-T-T. Because then they got to spell it all the way they want to do it. <laughs> it's simple, but it's been a huge problem. So. Yeah. Well, and, but the blessing is no one can shorten your name. My name, original name, was Mecolai. When we went to Argentina, they changed it to Nicolás. When we got to the States, I shortened it to Nick. So <laughs> what happened, I received some time ago a letter saying, you'll be nominated to the Woman of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can do that. That's awesome. Do you have grandkids? No? No grandkids? Because you could be Satanic every year, too. Yeah. That means florist. No, no. Just, that just means what? It <laughs> uh, means heart or a courageous heart. Ah, very cool. Yes, you are a courageous heart. Thank you very much. All right, last one back here in, in the back. Well, my name is spelled R-A-L-E-I-G-H. It depends on how old you are. How you pronounce it, some people say Rayleigh. If you're old enough, you'll say Raleigh. And uh, if you're also old enough, you'll say tobacco. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. God's name. As you were growing up, or maybe you didn't even come to the faith until later on in life, but from the very first time you heard God, God's name. What did that mean to you growing up? I'm not necessarily talking about now, but what are some of the things that God's name has meant to you? And I'll allow you to shout this out. Just shout it out loud so I can hear you. Father. Father. Creator. Creator. Oracle? Well, I'm going to write Oracle because I already said it. What did you say? Powerful. 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 I'm sorry, Linda. What did you say? Okay. Savior. Everlasting. Protector. What else? Judge. Help. 
Okay, good. I thought you were spelling O-W-L. Yes, okay, good. All. There we go. What else? What does God's name mean to you? Destroyer. Destroyer. All right. What else? Healer. Good to have those together. What else? Fear. Fear. Yes. Advocate. Omnipotent. Why do you guys keep doing these long words? Come on. <laughs> Arbitrary. What else? Sustainer. Sustainer. Angry. Severe. You say severe? Jealous. Infinite. Holy. Okay, holy. Perfect. All right. Let's stop there. We can go on and on. Father, creator, oracle, powerful, savior, everlasting, protector, judge, all, destroyer, healer, fear, advocate, omnipotent, arbitrary, sustainer, angry, severe, jealous, infinite, holy, and perfect. And merciful. Thank you for writing that one at the buzzer. God's name means many, many things. Interesting thing is in English, in today's society, we traditionally call God, God. Today, we don't say El Shaddai. We don't say Elohim. We don't say Yahweh. We don't go through the list of the many, many names that God has been known by. If we are to delineate God, we typically will say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? That's how we typically delineate the names of God. But that's not how it started. In fact, back in the time of Exodus, people didn't even truly know the name of God. I want you to do something. I want you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5. We're going to look at the first couple of verses of Exodus chapter 5. And if you want, go ahead and highlight those, underline, whatever you have to do. Uh, if you're using a mobile device, it's great. You can actually hold down and, and highlight um, on the page as well and make some, make some notes in there as well. But I want us to take a look at Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Would someone be willing to read that to us? Exodus 5, verses 1 and 2. All right. Thank you so much. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Hmm. Moses goes to the Pharaoh, and says, all these Hebrews, these slaves that are working for you, uh, I need you to let them have three days off so they can go worship. Interesting thing. He uses a unique term here. He uses a term that actually means celebrate. Now, this is something completely different from what you would do with all the other gods known to the Pharaoh in Egypt. You don't celebrate with your God. You try to appease your God. You sacrifice to your God. 
You try to make sure you're in good relationship with your God, but you don't party with your God. Moses used the term that means, give us three days to go party with our God. Pharaoh's response is, what God is this? Because Moses had used a specific name. When we read it, in fact, many of your translations, when, when you read, it'll say the Lord. But have you noticed in your Bible, it not only uses a capital L, but then shorter letters, it's actually all caps, but they're shorter than the L. Have you noticed that when it says the Lord? Whenever you read that in Old Testament scripture, chances are that the word that is there is actually Yahweh. Yahweh. Most of the times in Old Testament, if it's a capital L and then smaller cap O-R-D, it's the name Yahweh. And so Moses comes to, to Pharaoh. It's been a while. It's been 40 years. The last time that these stepbrothers saw each other, Moses had run for his life because he had killed an Egyptian on behalf of the Hebrews, and he fled. Now he comes back into town. His stepbrother is now the Pharaoh of Egypt. And Moses goes to him and says, I, I met a new God. His name is Yahweh. What is Pharaoh's response in verse 2? I, I don't know this Yahweh. You get this sense of Pharaoh looking and saying, I, trust me, I have the best education of everyone in Egypt. I am a God. I'm a lowercase g God, but I'm still a God. Out of all the individuals of Egypt, I am the one they worship. I am God incarnate right here. People worship me. They give sacrifices to me. And when I die, you see those pyramids over there? That's going to be uh, where I go as well, because someday... You see the stars up there? You see the belt of Orion? It's where the gods are from. And someday, I'm going to be transported there as well because I am a god in the flesh right here. I've had to study all of the other gods. Ra, Osiris, Isis, all of these other Egyptian gods, about 100 gods in all. Of course, the Pharaoh had the greatest education of all the people of Egypt. And so he knew all the names of the gods until Moses comes and says, oh, by the way, there's one you don't know about. His name's Yahweh, and he wants to party with his people. Pharaoh responds, I don't know this Yahweh. I've never heard of this Yahweh. Are you making this guy up? I haven't seen you in 40 years, and now you come back and make up the name of a new god. But Pharaoh, before we get too hard on him, Pharaoh was not the only one who did not know God's name. Some people that you think should have known God's name didn't know God's name. And so if someone would be so kind as to read Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, that would be awesome. Thank you. Right here. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Oh, so he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He made himself known as what? What is, huh? 
God Almighty. If you're to look at the Hebrew, that's the name El Shaddai. So up until that moment, he was known mostly by a different name. Those of you who are women who've gotten married, you have, you have trouble when you're trying to sign up for Facebook. How will my old friends find me? So a lot of you have said, well, since people know me by this other name, I'll put my first name, and then I'll put my maiden name, and then I'll put my married name, and that way people can find me. And that's what most of you ladies have done, right? Because at one time, you were known by a different name. I'll let you in on a little secret. For about eight years, I was known by a different name. My mom had, had married, and uh, she wanted all of us to have the same last name. And so for eight years, I had my stepdad's last name until, unfortunately, things didn't work out. And then I reverted back to my biological name. The interesting thing is during those eight years, which was um, the latter part of high school and, and during college, during that time, a lot of people knew me with a different last name. The funny thing is that right about the time I went back to my biological last name, Ice, I also started uh, touring, doing music uh, professionally. And so a lot of the people that knew me before with a different last name, they actually started explaining to their friends, oh, that's just his stage name. <laughs> no one has the last name of Ice except for Vanilla and Roy. <laughs> In fact, even the people that didn't know that I had a different last name for about eight years, uh, one of the most common questions I was asked when I was out doing music is, what's your real last name? Because they didn't think Ice was actually a proper last name. It probably isn't proper, but it's mine anyways. God was known for generations by a different name. God Almighty or God the Powerful, El Shaddai. That's what it means, the powerful God, Almighty God, the provider God. That's what El Shaddai means. Interesting thing, if you go back and look at the words that were used, the names of God that were used with Abraham with Isaac, and with Jacob. The name Yahweh was actually made known to them. But they, during the time of Joseph, for about 400 plus years, all the way to the time of Moses, no one called God Yahweh at all. In fact, it had gone so long that the Hebrews, who were slaves in Egypt, didn't even know their own God's name. Many of them had forgotten that they even had a God at all. The names of the gods that they knew were the hundred or so gods of Egypt. So Moses comes back and says, I need to talk to the, uh, the fathers, the elders of the Hebrews to let them know that God has come and made himself known again. He's opened up a door from heaven to earth. He's come and he's introduced himself. So, question is, what do you think God meant by this, to change his name? What do you think God was doing? Here's an introduction. He could say anything about himself. He could talk about his plan. He could say, oh, by the way, okay, I've got 10 ideas. They're great. We're going to call them plagues, but uh, this is what was, what's going to happen. We're going to go through these 10 plagues. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, which, by the way, many of us have a big question, because the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? You ever wonder about that? 
I hope so, because that's what we're covering next week. God could have laid out his entire plan of how he was going to set his people free and fulfill his promise. But instead of going through that, he said, let me tell you my name. What do you think of that? Why do you think God said, let me tell you my name instead of let me tell you my plan? Is he maybe wanting to uh, change the nature of the relationship a little bit? Show a different side of his personality? Yes. Very good. Very good. Okay. Usually in the name also showing the character of, uh, of an individual. So in this case, probably in this, God is uh, introducing, uh, introducing a new character from the one that they know before. Yeah. This is the interesting thing about God, is although we think we know a lot about God because of Scripture, God says, ah, you really don't know me all that much. In fact, you don't know me so much that I'm basically like a whole different person. If you were to call me by a different name, like you'd call a different person, there's all these other attributes about me you don't even know yet. Yes, Harvey. To be all-powerful when you're the slave of a lesser God is kind of contradictory. What kind of a God is this? When you're the all-powerful and you're Abraham's God, that's okay. But not when you're the slave's God. Yeah. So he goes and he says, no, I'm the God of all time. Mm-hmm. All of it, the power is not relevant at all. Yes. Time is relevant. Now, I don't know if they understood time any better than they understood power. Yeah. That's another question. That's a perfect point, Harvey, because in the situation that the Hebrews found themselves, they were powerless. In fact, in Exodus chapter 5, the moment that Moses introduces God back to the Hebrews. The Hebrews actually complained because not only was God not a provider, now they had more work. They had to provide their own straw. Before, they had a lot of work. Now they have overwhelming work. And so God is not a provider. In fact, God made it worse. In fact, you can read in Exodus 5 where they complained to Moses and Aaron saying, what have you done to us? You know, now you've you've made things worse. I think it's interesting when Moses went to the burning bush and God said, I am. It's I am father, I am creator, I am powerful, I am. I am. All those hundred gods that you've been following around, I am that and then more. Absolutely. And Mike, you've always been a man ahead of your time because that's the question that we're going to and the verse that we're going to next. But before we go there, I want to show you uh, a basic difference and then we're going to go deeper into it. The difference between El Shaddai and Yahweh in its simplest form is this. El Shaddai means the Almighty, the Provider, the Powerful One. Yahweh is actually a verb. Yahweh is a verb which basically means to be, to be. It's a to be verb. In fact, depending on how Yahweh is placed in a sentence and what part of speech Yahweh is, it can mean several different things. And we're going to take a look at that next. Would someone read to us Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15? Exodus 3, 13 to 15. Thank you, Dragon Slayer. Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and tell them, 
the Lord of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say this to the Israelites. I am, he, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, you must say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial from generation to generation. Weird conversation. Moses, burning bush, he's told you, you need to go to the Pharaoh. And Moses' greatest concern is, um, but if I just say the burning bush God, that, that might not work. Do you have a name that you want me to share? Because I know the first question Pharaoh's gonna ask is, which God came and visited you? Because you understand the Egyptians um, were extremely polytheistic, but in this sense, almost every aspect of nature had their own God. There was a God of the Nile. There was a God of, of the rain. There was a God of the wind. There was a God of the frogs. There was a God of you know, uh, pestilences. There was a God of hail. There was a God of fire. There was a God of ice. There was gods of every aspect of nature you can imagine. And so here, Moses, who'd been trained up in Egyptian theology, is before a God of fire that's not fire, a bush that's burning but not burning. And he says, uh, what name do you want to go by? Because that's going to be important to Pharaoh. I know him. I grew up with him. This is going to be important. It's interesting to see at the beginning of the relationship between Moses and God, the place where Moses starts and the place that God starts is the same place. What's your name? God responds, I am that I am. Some people have looked at this and said, you can translate this several different ways. I am because I am, or I cause to be because I cause to be. I will be because I will be. I was because I was. All of those different names depending on how it's used in the, in the sentence, are correct names from God. Question we have here is, why do you think Moses is concerned with having this specific name? Do you need a specific name for your God? When you're out witnessing and someone says, tell me about God, what name do you typically use? Jesus. Jesus. Why do you go with Jesus? Name recognition is it easier to describe him than it is God the Father and God the Holy Spirit? Why? Yes, we, we, we have some human descriptions and some eyewitness accounts. I, I was going to say the same thing. He's the face of God on earth. Yes, yes. He gives a concrete face to God. Now, biggest question I have today is, why do you think God chose that name? Why did, why did, he, why did he choose I am instead of, like he's done in all the other cases, use the word El, which means God, and then another word, which is a descriptor, God the healer, God the protector, God Almighty. Why do you think he chose I am? I think because it means the self-existing one. Okay, yeah, self-existing. That's hard for us to fathom, right? Was this more meaningful to their culture? Because for my culture, in my mind, 
I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I will do what I do. It sounds like, well, who cares? Yeah. You know, explain it. Make it meaningful. Yeah. Now, was this terribly meaningful in their culture, that, that obscure way to define yourself? What do you guys think? Jay. Well, as a writer, I often come across words or phrases that are ambiguous and difficult to nail down, and maybe that's what God is doing here. He's purposely being ambiguous? Maybe. I don't know. Are there other times God has been purposely amb uh, ambiguous? Yeah? Are there other times he's tried to be strictly as clear as he can, turning to his disciples and saying, no, Lazarus isn't dead, I, I isn't sleeping, he's dead. Or, no, I wasn't talking about bread, I was talking about the Pharisees, you know. There's, there, we, we, see, we see both ways. Harvey. In talking about his father, <clears throat> can it be other than ambiguous for humans? Do we have language? Do we have words hmm. that would have any interpretive meaning in clarifying the father? It's a great, great question. Back here. I have a question there. I wonder if El Shaddai, too, um, a civilization that has many gods, just gives the impression that El Shaddai is just another god that's above the other gods, as opposed to um, Yahweh, meaning there's just one. So, yeah, that's a, that's a absolutely perfect point because all the other gods were known as having power over specific parts of nature. If he would have, and in fact, many commentators say this: if Moses would have gone and said. I'm introducing you to God, the all-powerful one. He said, yeah, the, all the gods are powerful in their own way. And many people, and we're going to take a look at the plagues, at what God was doing through the plagues, but um, God had to show that he is above the power of each of the aspects that the Egyptians had said, this is where our power comes from, and this is, uh, this is what we're doing. So exactly on point. Yeah, I, I think that the word I am represents the essence of God. He's the only one that existed before anything else. And I'm thinking of John when it says, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. I am is the essence. I, I think that we are going to study this in eternity because we still cannot understand and comprehend. Absolutely. And it's interesting you say we'll study this for eternity. Because that's also a measure of time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. That uh, uh, and then the, go ahead. And, uh, and we're looking in a 2017 lens. In the culture then, the gods had a hierarchy. Well, this god was a minor god or a great god or whatever. And we also do that. Uh, well, today, you called him Harvey, but if I say this is Doctor Elder, mm -hmm. we attach a certain meaning to the title. That's right. In fact, I often call him Elder Elder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dr. Samuel, question. Could it be? Do you, a, do you have a microphone? Here we go. Sorry. Could it be that God wanted to show that he is the eternal one? Because, question, did the Egyptians think that the, all these gods were eternal or temporary? Hmm. It's a great, great point. That's right here. I think the Lord uh, I am is uh, is an evolving name, and I think He specifically identify Himself to particular kind of people what He's dealing with. 
like to Belshazzar, he's the judge, to Daniel, he's the protector. Hmm. Absolutely. Ad, 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 excellent points. For sake of time, we're going to have to have to move on. I'm so sorry. Um, but definitely have your card ready because you want to you get in on this. God chooses a measure of time to call himself Yahweh to the Israelites at this, at this juncture of the relationship. Many theologians look at this and say the reason why, one of the many reasons why, was because if you had gone for over 400 years, now imagine we all go back to 1600, the year 1617. That's a while back, isn't it? If that was the last time you had been free as a society, that was the last time you felt like you had a prayer answered, your view of God would be, well, that was the God of that time. Many theologians look at this and think that God was using the challenge that the Hebrews had in their mindset of God is not a God of our time. It was a God of Abraham's time, of Isaac's time, and Jacob's time. But since that time, we are godless. Many theologians look and see that quite possibly God was saying, I'm still a God of your time. And even though you've gone through some really tough struggles, I'm back. I never left because I was, but definitely I am right now. And where I'm going to take you, I will be your God. It's also interesting to see that at this introduction, a reintroduction of who is God, at the beginning of Exodus, is also the same introduction God gave to the creation week. What happened the first day of creation? God said, let there be light. Many scientists and theologians look at this and have wrestled with this over and over again because it's not until the fourth day that the sun, moon, and stars are listed. So what we traditionally look at as light was not the radiate, uh, uh, radiation light that we traditionally think of light today. But many people who are smarter than me have looked at what is light and what they come away with is light is very unique in the essence that the speed in which light travels is the exact speed that if you were to travel in a spaceship and, and reach the speed of light, once you reach light, all time around you, the body in motion, all time around you will have passed and you will reach eternity. You will exit time. It's also interesting that light is measured not simply in speed, but it's also measured in wavelength, which means possibilities. But it's not only measured in possibilities, it's also measured in particles. It's a substance. And so it's interesting that the very first day of creation, God introduces the world and the universe to him by saying, I am in charge of time. He creates time on that very first day of creation. So it's interesting that in his reintroduction to his chosen people that he should introduce himself as, I am a measure of time. Yesterday, today, and forever. 
Now, what words do you use to describe God to the people you're witnessing to? What are some of the words? Some of you work with uh, non-believers every single day. When they ask you about God, what are some of the, the words that you use to describe God to the people you're witnessing to? God the Creator. God the Creator. Anybody else? Loving. Loving. Faithful. Faithful. We're going back through that list that we had before, huh? Merciful. Wrath and anger. Slow to wrath and anger. I was about to say, we've got some fire and brimstone witnessing going on over here. That's good. Yes, David. Uh, personal. Personal. Yes. And, and before you give up that mic, why would, you, why would you describe your God as personal when you're witnessing? Well, I work with atheists, mm -hmm. and I dialogue with them. And I think they have this view of this, this idea they have learned to resent through the years. Uh, and I say to them, no, he is my friend. Uh, he knows me. I know him. There's intimacy. He knows everything about my life, uh, cares about me. And I think that's the one aspect that maybe has the possibility of reaching somebody like that, the personableness of God, that uh, in millions of years, he is now, he is here, and he knows where I was born and what I'm doing on that particular day. Hmm. And uh, that's what I like about him. That whole concept that you just shared, to us, we nod our heads and say, yeah, absolutely, that's who God is. But do you all realize how revolutionary that would have sounded less than 100 years ago? And how foreign that would have sounded to the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. You did not have a personal relationship with a God because a God did not want to have a personal relationship with you. Gods were to be, in many cases, manipulated. Those of you who have been with us ever since the beginning, you'll recall the um, study that we went through where we had to deal with the uh, religions around the Israelites in the wilderness in some of the things that they were doing to try to make it rain and for their crops to grow and for their flocks to increase. Um, they had to be manipulated into saying, oh, okay, yes, I'll... I'll do something that will make it rain and, and make the grass grow. Personal relationships were not possible. The only people that had a personal relationship with the gods were the priests. And even they had a relationship of fear. It was not a relationship of love. No one loved gods in Egypt. No one said, I talk to him every day. And he talks to me too. No one would ever say that in Egypt. Gods were meant to be feared. Gods did not have a personal relationship. And I think that's why it's so profound that here God who introduces himself to Moses says, I want you to help introduce me to a group of people that have absolutely no concept that I want to spend time with them. Uh, when you speak with, <clears throat> when I speak with patients, uh, it seems like it's very simple and easy to talk to them about God if you ex express what, what he's done for you. Yes. I mean, how personal is that? Mm 
Hmm. I mean, this is what God has done for me, and I think he can do it for you too. That's right. It, it shows the concreteness of your relationship with God. Okay. Coming from a non-majority Christian country, it's, uh, it's difficult to, for them to understand that, that you have a relationship with God. It's become like you disrespect God when you tell them that way. It's it's hard concept to understand that. Absolutely. And so unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up right now at this time. I'm going to have a prayer and then just a, a quick word of announcement. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who involves himself in our time, our past, our presence, uh, present, and thank, thank you for being part of our future. Lord, I just pray that you help us even now to understand what did you mean by calling yourself I am? We're so thankful for what you did to the Hebrews uh, who were enslaved and, and had no concept of who you are. And I just pray that um, you'll help us throughout this series to have a better understanding of who you are as well and, and how you can set us free as well. And we pray this all in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode one with us. I really hope that you come back and listen to episode two because as promised, we do deal with the whole issue of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And I've got a huge surprise for you. You don't want to miss it. The Bible doesn't say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and changed his mind, that God imposed his will and did not allow Pharaoh to choose his own decisions. It's very interesting. There's two different words, and if you miss it, you will completely miss one of the major points of God's character, and you will have a misconception of who God is. So I really hope that you join us for episode two so you too can be really blessed and grow in your understanding of who God is and love him even more next week. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 1030 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.